This is Dalali Jarasa of Fearless Solutions, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 70 of Chasing Dreams. And for this episode, I'm going back to my college days and bringing a friend on the show. His name is Dalali Zarasa, and he is a founder and president of Fearless Solutions, a software firm based out of Baltimore, local, homegrown, amazing place. Dalali is a certified Scrum Master and PMP with a decade of experience leading agile software teams and programs. Dalali graduated with a BS in computer engineering from UMBC in 2004. Dalali always had a passion for entrepreneurship, and after working at a handful of technology firms, he founded Fearless in 2009. Dalali strives to make a difference in technology and his surrounding community. He currently resides with his family in Baltimore City, where he's passionate about increasing the rate of city youth heading into STEM-based fields. And in that pursuit, he's taken a few minutes to come onto the show and talk to us today. Lolly, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a busy weekend, uh, but all is well on this end. Now, back in the day, because, you know, it, it's been a, a day or two since, you know, UMBC days. Yeah. It's been a little bit, you know. Did you always know you wanted to do your own business, your own company? I actually did. Um, I wasn't sure kind of what form it would take, but I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I kind of joke around saying that uh, growing up, I probably had every job or every business known to man. Throughout college, I actually uh, was cutting hair and started a barbershop in the, in the laundry room. So I've been uh, kind of hustling and, and, and trying different things for quite a long period of time now. Now, were you using that? Those experiences, you know, cutting hair in the laundry room and your hustling days back at UMBC, were you using that to kind of like test things that you're using now? Has anything from that time carried over to your experience as a owner and president? I, I think so. I don't know if it was necessarily a test, more kind of a necessity. And um, I was trying to make money. I, I knew of ways to, to make money. So I was I was doing that. Um, now, I think the things that do translate from you know different things that I've tried, different businesses I've had is probably kind of the determination and the drive part of it. Mm-hmm. It's not you know being okay with hearing no and continuing to knock on the next door and continue to push till something happens um, has really been something that I think has been consistent throughout uh, anything I've tried over the years. Now, trying things over the years, testing and just kind of like learning from your from your um, past experiences. Is there any lesson that has stood out, I guess, to you and just kind of stayed with you? Huh. I'd say the biggest thing would be not giving up is, is probably the biggest thing. It, ironically enough, when I was starting the company, um, a good friend, a mutual friend of ours, actually Montrell, uh, somehow talked me into doing a full marathon with him. And, you know, <laughs> right. and, Sorry. Uh, 
that's not great. Sure, kind of not sure how I agree to that. But I mean, back in high school, I was a sprinter. So to me, long distance is anything more than one lap around the track. So it's the, yeah, it's the opposite of what you would do. Yeah, the opposite. So, so you know, hey, this is a bucket list kind of thing. Let me go do it, check it off, and and go. And um, so we ended up training. It took about almost a year to get to get ready for it. And one thing that I learned along the way was, you know, I'd, I'd be running for you know 30 minutes an hour during training and kind of halfway. And I'm like, OK, this is pretty dumb. Why am I doing this? This is mm-hmm. good job. And to me, it was really these series of really short goals where I'd, you know, I'd be at one block and say, OK, all right, well, don't stop yet. Just get to the end of the other block. OK, well, don't stop yet. Just get to that lamppost. Right. And be these kind of short goals that were really attainable. Yeah. And then and after a while, you kind of look back and you say, oh, my God, I just just run over 26 miles. And so I think that was really consistent with. Um, and it was actually the year that I was launching the company. And so I'd leave work. I was still working for someone else at the time. I'd leave work and come home exhausted and I'd kind of think, okay, well just, just make one more phone call. And then, you know, just, just make, shoot off one more email, write one more thing. Um, you know, write one more line of code before you go to sleep. And it was, again, those kind of really small incremental goals that really started building on top of each other. Now, fun fact for anybody who wants to do a marathon or a half marathon, what Delali said is a life lesson because that's how I made it through my half marathon. It's like, Oh, that tree, that tree. I'm just going to get to that tree (laughs) with that fire hydrant, you know, and running in Baltimore city. Was your marathon in Baltimore city? I actually did the Marine Corps marathon, which is probably the wrong marathon. Oh man, you went, you went high. Well, that's not surprising. I was going to say that's not surprising at that point, but if you run uh, Baltimore, it's, it's very hilly. It's very tough, you know, so you kind of have to have those little goals. So that's a great lesson to have. So, let me ask you something as a minority and someone who is in the sciences mm-hmm. and now as an entrepreneur with these things and kind of pushing forward and, and starting your own company, did you face any challenges that were surprising to you? Um, I don't know that necessarily that the challenges that I faced are unique to necessarily being a, a minority. I mm-hmm. think if there's challenges associated with being an entrepreneur in general, um, it's and it's really. I mean, I, I keep going back to this. Continue to push, right? It's so easy to stop, right? There's a million reasons why you know the idea won't work, or people won't follow you, or you won't get the, something to happen. Um, but as you continue to push and you get these small wins, they really do um, push you forward. And I think one big thing that we had to overcome, so starting off, you know, the bulk of what we did was starting off you know, primarily in kind of the Department of Defense and national security world. And as you can remember several years ago, kind of the height of the sequestration and debt ceilings and all that other stuff and government shutting down. I mean, the bulk of our revenue used to come from the federal government. So we were kind of left scratching our heads saying, okay, this is interesting, right? We ought to, we ought to let's make sure, A, let's make sure we can kind of get through this hump. Um, and then B, and it, was a, it wasn't a small hump. It was not a small hump. Yeah. Um, and then as we're doing that, how do we you know get smart about how to diversify um, you know, what it is that we do so that we're not kind of stuck in that situation again. Oh, interesting. So you're facing this hump, which wasn't, I, what was it like? A, it was more than a month, I think. Uh, well, yeah, it was, it was a couple months and it was it, this, it was, it was on and off. Right. So it was, they kind of kicked the can down the road for a couple months yeah. and then, um, through a continuing resolution. And then you, you, you think about it again. Right. And then it, you kept thinking that they would pass something. And, and it just kind of kept hovering and hovering. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, there there was that time. What was it? Two thousand eleven. Uh, I believe so. so. It was it was in the two thousands, and yep. there was a, a funding hold. You know, government was on furlough. I believe it was. Mm-hmm. I think it was called furlough. And so, funding essentially, you know, for contractors, there, there's nothing for them to. They can't get paid. They're not doing any work. 
what are you going to do? That had to be a scary time. And for you to buckle down now that you're still here, I'm assuming you guys found a way. Yeah, we did. Um, we were fortunate. We didn't, we didn't lose anyone through that. I mean, everyone, it was really, you know, from a company, you know, company level, you know, we were, we had to make some concessions and we had some you know, really good employees that you know, stood, stood by us and they made some concessions as well, but we were able to kind of weather that. And so for you and as a young company, that's a, that's a testament. So in 2009, when you founded, how many people were in the company? So, yeah, so I registered the company in February 2009, and I jumped out full-time. So I was kind of doing the prep work, you know, getting ready for the marathon also during that year, and I jumped out full-time uh, April 2010. So April 2010, worked my got the first deal closed and started working as a full-time employee in the company, and uh, it was a company of one. So I didn't bring anyone else down until <laughs> till later that fall. And today? Uh, we're at 31. That's impressive. I mean, that's very, very, was it seven years? That's impressive. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, very organic, very, uh, in- intentional, but I mean, again, it's really been a testament to a lot of the early folks that, you know, stuck by us and, uh, and really helped to push us forward. Well, one, congratulations. And Thank two, you. how do you do it? So you knew you want to be an entrepreneur. Do you have an MBA? I do not. You, you have a BS computer engineering. You went Correct. to UMBC, which, you know, amazing. But mm-hmm. your own company, your own world, you were a, a solopreneur when mm-hmm. you first started. Like, how yep. do you figure out, how do you navigate those waters? Um, a, a lot of it was, uh, a lot of it's figured out as you go. Um, but then also training. I had some really, really good mentors that showed me the rope. Coming out of coming out of UMBC, I worked for a small company. In fact, the owner of that company was also uh, a UMBC alum, uh, Rob Baruch. And, and I remember when I went to go work at that company, I'd never heard of him before. And, uh, president of UMBC had made a recommendation over to that company and I talked to them and day one, I want to say, I, I told him, I said, I want to start a software company. I'm not sure when, how, where, um, but I want to come here and not just learn the programming side, but I want to learn the business side. And, and so they agreed. And I went there and was able to kind of knock on his door for office hours when I, whenever I needed to, and got a lot of mentoring in in a couple years into you know programming for them. They won a series of two really big contracts, and uh, you know with those two contracts, I was raising my hand saying, "Hey, give me more to do." And one of the managers of one of those contracts, the program manager, was saying, "Hey, we just won this new. It was a hundred million dollar job." Saying, "Hey, I need some help to get this contract off the ground." And they kind of looked at him and looked at me and said, "All right, well, we can we can get you both to shut up." So, kid, go help him. So uh, a couple years out, I. Uh, I started helping that guy. I was his number two guy on the $100 million job and learned a lot, right? That is an understatement. So it was really one of those sink or swim type things where I'd been kind of asking for an opportunity and I got one and and learned a lot. And it was really, I'd say, that kind of opportunity that kind of propelled me into uh, being able to do this. I'm sorry. Let me talk. I'm throwing flag on the field here. Are you telling me that you actually told a potential company for a job that you wanted to start your own software company? Correct. Wow. I'm okay. Yeah. And, uh, and he was, he was, he was gracious and they, and they helped me, they helped me, they helped me to learn and, um, picked up a lot of pieces. In fact, we have a number of people and that culture is kind of stayed with me. That's, that's evident in, in, in our culture as well. We have a number of people here at Fearless that have similar aspirations of starting companies and we do what we can to support them and get them trained up and help to launch them. Now, that's such a, it seems, and maybe you can tell us, is that a change in mentality for businesses to, you know, 
help each other support each other versus, you know, competitive nature? I, I don't know if it's a change. I, I think to me, it's to me, it's common sense, right? I think what gets lost a lot of times in these companies is you, you, you're dealing with, you know, ones, quote unquote, you know, ones and zeros and resources and Gantt charts. And you talk about, you know, whether it be downsizing or upsizing. I mean, we use kind of these cryptic business terms to mask the fact that we're dealing with people, right? Sure, um, yeah. People that have lives and families and friends and obligations and all sorts of other things. And um, I just thought that early on that it's it's really not possible to say, you know, we have people's best interest at hand. And if someone if it's in someone's best interest to go out and start a company, if their dream or their vision or their passion is to do A and we don't do that, for us to not help them, I don't think we're necessarily being true to that um, kind of philosophy of uh, helping people fulfill and, and, and do what's in their best interest. And so we do whatever we can to support people do whatever it is that they want to do. And I love that. And and it doesn't even, you don't even keep that to just a business nature. You also give back to the community, mm-hmm. right? Correct. What do you guys do? Correct. Yeah. So we've got a, a, a number of partnerships, but we're pretty excited about them. We try to, we try to focus it on STEM based fields. I think there's a lot of, um, opportunity there and folks that uh, just kind of need an extra push. And so we've partnered with an organization downtown Baltimore City called the Digital Harbor Foundation. And so we've had a series of um, coding competitions that we go judge. We've helped them to get ready. We've mentored some of the students. In fact, um, one of their students from that program is a, is a full-time intern with us today. Um, but but usually it's in, in that nature, using uh, things to deal with coding, helping people you know work online, computer science projects, things like that is what we tend to do as an organization. You know, there are a number of fields out there that are not represented strongly, probably, mm-hmm. I guess, out there. Can you talk a little bit about STEM and what it what it is and why it's so important today? Yep. So, yeah, STEM, STEM is an acronym that stands for science, technology, uh, engineering, and math. And there's been kind of, an, and a lot of folks may have started hearing kind of this buzz over the last few years about STEM, STEM, STEM. Um, it's a big deal because... Uh, when we look at the jobs of the future uh, and the projections of students kind of going into these fields, they're not seeing enough students entering these fields over as a whole uh, to be able to kind of fulfill and be competitive as a nation long term. So that's kind of one. And then two other pieces of that, uh, in addition to just kind of STEM jobs and STEM um, opportunities as a whole, um, they typically don't see enough uh, women in these fields or minorities in these fields. And, you know, so we really are trying to push and to do our part to to help kind of change that trend line. Have you seen an increase in your time with Fearless and as it's been growing in interest in STEM? Um, I think it varies. I think uh, people's uh, interest in STEM and, and I'll kind of focus primarily on on students. I think it varies. I think technology in general, there is a growing interest kind of across the board, right? And so smartphones keep getting better and better, right? And and, and a lot of people were carrying smartphones in their pockets. So they're not, they're aware of technology. Um, they, they use technology, whether it's that gaming, you're seeing a lot with kind of virtual reality, 3D printers. Uh, and so people are becoming more and more aware and more and more comfortable with technology. I think people are much more in tune with STEM than maybe they believe they are. And, um, and, and as such, when people start seeing things, they can, you know, they start getting a sense of creativity and curiosity that, oh, how does this work? And, oh, how does my phone work? Or how does, you know, this app, app work, right? And sure. apps are real huge. And so I think that as a whole, um, people have gotten more interested and in, in and comfortable with technology as a whole. 
Um, and then I think we'll start to see more people uh, kind of gain interest in trying to see how those things work. Now, your focus is is growing, right? You guys work with the government a lot. Do you guys right. see yourself uh, expanding into any other areas? Yep, absolutely. Um, so with, with our start, it was primarily kind of Department of Defense, national security-based work. And we branched out uh, already and we're doing some work within the healthcare arena. Uh, we're doing some work within the environmental space and then actually doing a lot. We're excited about, it's interesting, we're, we're really excited about kind of economic development and empowerment type opportunities. And so we've begun to do some work with the uh, Small Business Administration as well. And how do we connect entrepreneurs um, as well as, you know, be able to pat, you know, ensure that communities that need some economic development are able to get some. So, yes, we, we definitely are going to be expanding beyond government. We've got a couple of products that we're working on. Um, so we got a lot of things cooking right now. It's really cool to hear you talking about this because it sounds like there there's no limit to what you guys are willing to expand to or try. Yeah, we're we're definitely we're definitely growing. I mean, so we want to focus. I'd say the, the the one part about that that I'd like to kind of correct is it's going to be software, right? So I don't mm-hmm. see us doing a ton out of software for the foreseeable future. But when you look at software and you look at a lot of these industries, right? Everyone's kind of looking at similar type things, right? Everyone's kind of looking at you know mobility and cybersecurity and big data and analytics and visualizations, and so uh, we've got a pretty pretty strong knack for those types of things. And as we kind of master those, and we're able to provide a solution in kind of one domain, we're finding that things that are, are very applicable in in a different domain. So what you're saying is, don't expect to see you guys on NBC or anything, but you might be creating software that could help them. Who knows? Potentially, yes. Right? That, yep. In that kind of and, a sense. Yeah. And, and, and also, I think, you know, I, I put a caveat on the software piece is for us, we want to create technology that helps people, right? And so, um, you know, a lot, you know, so we're likely not the company that's going to create the, the next Pokemon Go, right? But we want to, I mean, then again, people are getting a lot of exercise with that. So that's probably a good thing. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, we really want to make sure the software we create has some sort of impact to humanity, right? Some sort of positive impact. And so we're, we try to be fairly sensitive about the types of projects that we take on. Now, Dolly, when you go to your website, fearless.tech, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Correct. You got a purple cow. Correct. What's that about? Yeah, that freaks a bunch of people out. Well, it's just, so, you know, it's a big purple cow. Yep. <laughs> um, Purple cow. I wish I could take all the credit for that. I can't. In fact, I actually heard about the purple cow through um, Baltimore Tech Night. It must have been, I don't know, sometime, I want to say maybe 99, 2000, 2001-ish. Baltimore Tech Night was kind of a a huge night where the whole tech industry used to come together. And um, I remember my college UMBC, they had maybe half a table of, 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 of students that they were able to take to the event. So I represented UMBC at the event that night. And um, an author by the name of Seth Godin, uh, who is the author of a book called The Purple Cow, was the keynote speaker that night. So, and everyone got a copy of his book. That's the reason why I, I heard of it. But his whole this whole thing is kind of I'll, I'll give you the quick the quick version. But mm-hmm. talks about how you know you know him and his wife his kids are going down to going on vacation. They're heading down to the farmland and they pass you know a brown cow. You know, wow, it's pretty exciting. Here's a, here's a brown cow. And, you know, the kids kind of look up. You know, it's eating some grass. Right, nothing really super exciting about that. Um, they pass the cow, they keep driving. You know, half a mile later, they're driving, they see a second brown cow. Looks a lot like the first brown cow, and it's doing the same things, eating the same grass, right? They keep driving. And, you know, I mean, at that point, they're really just kind of focused on their destination. So they're fasting, 
you know, cow after cow after cow. They hardly notice them. They ha- they hardly look up. They just kind of just want to get to their destination. It says, you know, wouldn't it be something if you were driving and you saw a purple cow? I mean, you'd, you'd stop the car. You'd take pictures. You'd call your friends. I mean, this wasn't out back then. But I guess today, you know, you tweet about it, put it on Instagram and social media. Right. Um, but, it, but it'd be something really remarkable about. And then he transitions to talk about how so many businesses are, are brown cows. You know, we all kind of look the same, sound the same, doing the same things. And how um, as, a, as a business person, you can really start to transform your business by being remarkable or this purple cow that people have to stop, notice and pay attention to. So I, I, I fell in love with the story early. Um, and it's actually a book that everyone in our, we've got tons of it at the office, but it's a book that everyone in our company reads before they start. So that's kind of our thing now. I love it. I love it. But what I also love, um, when you go to your LinkedIn page and you look at the culture and people at Fearless, I see a number of people that I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, is friends that I know, people that have gone to UMBC. Um, is that intentional? That you know, t- In today's society, a lot of people say, you know, your network is very important and who mm-hmm. you have around you, mm-hmm. you know? And so- do you agree? I mean, you have a number of people who went to UMBC who I know you knew uh, mm-hmm. previously. Yep. Do you surround yourself with those intentionally or just happens to be great people? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it all starts with your network. And, and starting off, um, I'm, just a, I'm just a guy with an idea, right? A guy for an idea and I want to build this, build this cool software company. And so naturally, some of the first people I'm going to go to are people that I know, people that I know that I trust mm-hmm. and people that, people that trust me. Right. And, and, and being able to I mean, there's a lot to be able to tell someone to say, I want you to quit your full time job and come follow me and let's build this thing together. Right. And it's just it's just me with sketching some ideas on a sheet of paper. And so that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot for people. That's to a lot to ask to, of someone. Yeah. To ask. Right. A lot for people to be able to swallow people with young families. Um, and, and so I think a lot of um, my working relationship relationship with folks that I went to college with, they kind of knew me and. Um, kind of knew my character, knew, knew my drive, and said, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to take a bet that, um, that that we'll be able to make it if we do something together. And it's great to see because, you know, the other thing, guys, is, you know, like Delali said, networking is very important. You know, mm-hmm. who you know is tray important, you know, in, in anything you do, because it doesn't matter if they're in your field or not, they could be helping someone. And the fact mm-hmm. that you are trying to do things to help better the society that we are in today is fantastic. Yeah. Now, is there, is there actually a, um, area that you're interested in that, I mean, cause we talked about how there are, there are certain limitations of what you're trying to do. There's no limit, but is there one that you're kind of bucket list for the company? Um, I don't necessarily know that it's big bucket list. We've got a really big passion and interest in, in healthcare. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the work that we're doing right now is pretty, is pretty cool. Um, we recently got uh, awarded an opportunity to create the first version of a Baltimore citywide health dashboard. So we're just we're just starting to kick that problem off. But but but, but to us, you know, it's really us being able to provide some really cutting edge technology that has this huge kind of social impact. And I don't think I want to put a cap on that, right? I think as long as there's unique problems to solve that kind of fit that fit that um, mold. And we've got the capacity to do it and grow without sacrificing our internal culture, then I'm kind of game to keep chasing and see where we can go. I love that you said cave chasing. And so not to kind of be like, everybody go, go apply to fearless, but I love the way you have your culture, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, 
I came from the government. I've worked for small law firms. I've, I've worked for different companies. So, you know, I've seen a number of different things. And you have a culture that is not typical of your 90s business company. Mm-hmm, or 90s mm-hmm. software company, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. If you go to your career page, you have, I mean, one of your things that you have is flexible schedule. This isn't yeah. a nine to five. Mm-hmm. How do you get anything done? No, no, no. Hold uh, on. Before, before you continue, hold <laughs> on. Before you continue, because there's more, guys. There's more. They have toys, swag, uh, publishing bonus. I mean, how, how do you guys get anything done? Um. I try to, and our whole team tries to. When I try to hire, I don't do too much of the hiring anymore because I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible hiring manager. But um, <laughs> we, um, we try to hire smart people, right? Smart people that are good at what they do, that are adults, and we let adults be adults, right? And trust people. And I think when you empower people to, to get their job done um, in a way that they think is good for them and makes sense for them, um, things tend to work. It seems like, you know, when we start to create these arbitrary rules, right, where you must be here and you must wear this and you must do that and you're putting all these layers in and you're putting them in a box, right, some sort of arbitrary box that you think makes them more productive when they may be saying, no, you know, doing something else makes you more productive. And then you go to them and get frustrated when they're not delivering saying, you know, why can't you think outside the box? Um, it's because you put them in the box, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. We try to ensure that people have opportunities and the tools and the things that they need to be able to be successful and let them run and be successful. And ultimately, when they join that and they're happy, it's better for them and better for the company. Now, one of the things that I'm assuming is your dream is fearless. Mm -hmm. And outside of that, though, outside of your community work, what other dream are you working on right now that you're kind of finding a way to balance with everything? Uh, Nothing. This is kind of my life right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess a lot of people talk about kind of work-life balance and I wasn't able to strike a good balance. So I just uh, hired my wife full time. So now we, uh, now we can spend time at work together, but, um, that's one way to do it. Yeah. But, but really, I mean, this is, this is it, right? I don't think it, I don't think it changes. Um, we don't really, um, have kind of some other personal dream. It's really, let's see how collectively, how far we can, how far we can take fearless. And, And again, as long as we're making that kind of impact, then, you know, I'm happy. I mean, I'm excited. I mean, it doesn't, at that stage, it doesn't feel like work, right? And there's always going to be certain things about your, your job that, oh man, this isn't the, the, the most exciting, right? Um, but certain parts as a, as a you know, overall, I mean, I love what I do and um, I've got no intentions to kind of do anything else. So now having had the company for about six, it's about six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So having gone through that, Looking back at when you first started and the circumstances of when you first started and how you kind of set things up, was there, is there anything you would go back and change in the sense of just for improvement's sake, not necessarily to change the, how things happen, but, you know, just for efficiency probably or something like that. Hmm. What would I change as far as efficiency? I don't know. I'm sure you probably get this a lot, but I don't, I don't know if I would change anything. I mean, in hindsight, you say that, right? I mean, there were a couple opportunities that I think um, I did not pursue early on that maybe I should have. I kind of felt like maybe maybe we weren't ready yet, or it was going to grow us faster than we were ready to grow us. I think so. Some in 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 some essences, um, in in some essence, I think um, I shot away for a couple opportunities that maybe I would have grabbed earlier on because the thinking was, oh, they'll come back, and they didn't come back. (laughs) So. 
Yeah, I'd say maybe that, but you know, on the on the flip side, you know, the growth that we've had has been slow but yet intentional, where we've got a really, really, really solid foundation that I feel comfortable growing on, and a, and a and a good team that I feel comfortable growing with. And I think had we rushed that, um, I may not have been able to say that. Well, you know, it's just as important to embrace the the things that you may regret if you can even call it that. Yep. Right, as it is to embrace the things that went right. Yeah. And so that's a, a great testament to what you had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you were in college, I'm going to go back real quick because, you know, I love that everything seems to have kind of fallen in place mm-hmm. sort of for you here. Yeah. But if we go back to before college, even, mm-hmm. was there any point that you didn't think science or was science kind of a from a very, very young age kind of thing? I, I think it was from a young age. Um, my, my dad is also a software engineer and mm-hmm. he's got a software company. And so my brother, all, the three of us, we, we all were forced to program as kids at some point in our lives. And to me, I always liked it. I always liked uh, building things and creating things and kind of working with my hands. And so I always felt like it was something to do with that. Like there's three things that I knew were kind of true of me is I like business, I like technology, and I like people. And I never really knew how those three would come together. Um, it seems like it's coming together now, but um, kind of throughout history, I've always kind of had um, an interest in all three of those and, and looking to see how I could pull them together. And just to kind of clear things up, guys, he has three brothers. They, 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 uh, there's three of y'all. And mm-hmm. even though all of them did programming, not all of them are still doing programming, just right. to be clear. So it's not that you do it at a young age, you're going to do it inevitably. Right. It was just something you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you have the future ahead of you. Is there mm-hmm. anything you can kind of hint to us as to what we can look forward to? Uh, we've got a series of, of products coming. So we've got one that uh, we'll be probably announcing in the next couple weeks here, uh, a new uh, Geo product uh, that's coming out. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, so, you know, stay tuned, kind of our website, our blog. So that'll be, that'll be released soon. And, um, some interesting things in healthcare that are coming up again, again, this new, uh, health dashboard that we, uh, helped to really help to push the city of, of Baltimore forward. Um, and then really in general, um, a big, a big project that we're working on is actually connecting, uh, every entrepreneur and small business in the country, uh, through a project that we've started with the small business administration. They just recently, uh, contracted with us to help the build technology to connect, uh, all of the entrepreneurs and the small business job creators in the country. And so we're, we're really excited about that. Those are all big and challenging problems, um, but we think that they've got uh, a lot of teeth and ability to help a lot of people. That's impressive. And, and guys, you can k- keep up with what's going on. I'll have all the contact information and the blog for Fearless on the show notes page. So don't worry, you guys can definitely keep up with what's going on. And Dolly's on Twitter, so don't you can, you'll be in the know. Trust there. Okay, you'll be in the know. Now, Delali, one thing I do to sign off is mm-hmm. I ask you, what is something you would tell someone who's chasing their dream? Uh, this is uh, absolutely a pun intended, but I would say be fearless, uh, dream aggressive, and you've got one life to live, so you, you give it everything you've got. And there you have it. I, I love the pun, so that that's probably in the back pocket, huh? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Dolly, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, share your story and just, you know, share that positivity of how things can happen and and just be possible when you're fearless. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Definitely appreciate it. Good luck.
You rock, man. Thank you. And guys, that was Dalali Zarasa, who is doing some amazing things, not only for science, the government, but for the community as well. And you guys should definitely check him out. Check out Fearless and everything they're doing. All their contact information and links are over on the show notes page, which you can find at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 70. That's episode 70. And until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.